0: As a as a truly passionate Dodgers fan, until they trade away PK Subban, I, I don't know if it's in play, but I, I feel like they should they should sign him just so
1: they oh, can it, trade him away. According to history, trading away PK Subban is always in play. Apparently,
0: yeah. Listen, I don't think for one moment it isn't. And if they, and if they do, I expect an equivalent, you know, run away from you, whether he
1: plays for you or not. It's still in play.
0: Yeah, and then more importantly, I don't think Los Angeles has the poutine to bring you back. I don't think I don't think that's a thing that's going to work. But out. But they
1: do have Santa Monica. Santa Monica is kind of nice you know the pier <laughs> the hall
0: <Hollywood Center. laughs> the pause you <laughs> we were trying to think of the same thing yes you know it that right. right the tourist bureau of Santa Monica now we'll show you <laughs> well guys we got the pier you don't need anything else
1: dramatic pause you don't need anything else alright it's the end of Route 66 uh, there you go
0: alright now I've got more material to mock you but let, let's move we'll, let's move on from there You are listening to episode 41 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, live from a television-watching NBA Saturday Night. I'm Carlos Aguazar. With me, as is sometimes the case, is the man of many ditches, Dave Turnbull.
1: Hey, I'm back, I'm alive, and I'm ready to go, Carlos.
0: He dug himself out of the ditch he found, sometimes known as Ancaster. Good job. All right. We've got a couple of different things we're going to talk about. The main topic is going to be kind of doing our MLB season preview. Yes, I forgot about it too. But we're going to do it just like we did last year, going, going division by division. That'll be the main thing that we're going to talk about. Dave has got some notes that he put together in about 12 minutes. And then I am going to just riff off of stuff that I randomly remember from a couple of months ago. Such is the depth of our research.
1: This is fair, but I feel it was more like <laughs> six minutes as opposed to 12 minutes.
0: I'm trying to give you a little bit of credit. I, You know... I was giving you a solid 12 minutes of digging in there. And then we're also going to talk about, to be honest, what I'm really looking forward to in this episode is a lot of news and notes, including Jameis Winston gets LASIK. I may just spend two minutes laughing. But we'll get to that in a second. First of all, though, I want to talk about XFL Week 1. Disappointment on my part because I didn't actually get a chance to make the video talking about XFL Week 1. But it's just as well because we are kind of halfway through, you know, the uh, Week 2 games. Got two games in there. I will say I'm kind of mostly in agreement with a lot of folks is that XFL Week 1 was surprising in the sense that... um, it actually turned out a little bit better than you might have thought. Although after I took a little bit of time to think about it, I was less surprised, and I'll actually tell you why. I've actually reconsidered the way that I've recalibrated the way that I think about the XFL, and this is what I've got. When it comes to the spring football experiment, you look at you know the original XFL in 2001. That's like spring football attempt 0.1. It was a very pathetic attempt. It was a half half-assed, half-hearted attempt. A Vince McMahon special, but. The AAF was attempt 1.0. It was still kind of a beta. There's still a lot of experimentation happening. A lot of different things were being tried out for the first time in a long time because they hadn't tried a spring football league in the age of the internet, in the age of being able to use social media, in the age of being able to use streaming technology, all of these things that you had. But the AAF had a bit of a problem. Using this, extending this analogy, the AAF operated, and obviously as, t- as the weeks went by and we figured out what ended up happening, it became more apparent. The AAF ran itself like a startup, which was a mistake. The financing wasn't completely secured. They thought they had it secured. But as soon as the financing went away, they were suddenly into a new brand of fundraising. They were trying to get money together where they had some, but they really only had, without the financing they thought they had in place, they really only had enough financing to be able to go out there, put a product in there, and hope that someone saw enough potential in the product to invest in it. And the timing on this is interesting because I've been, I listened to an audio book recently about the, uh, the buildup and the initial startup of Netflix Mm -hmm. and Netflix by definition was the same kind of thing. You had rounds of funding because for many years, Netflix lost money, lost money, lost money, but people looked at it and saw the potential. The problem, that's the startup mentality. That's how that works. Right. The problem is when you try to run a professional football league or a professional sports league that way. That's really hard to do. You really need to have, like, you need to be able to get to the end of the season. You need to have that financing in place. You can't be hoping for rounds of funding just to keep you afloat.
1: And you basically need to be in a situation where you have it from the beginning, as opposed to the AAF, which didn't, right? You need to know, hey, we have enough money that we can get through year one, and then let's see. Fair enough. But you need to at least get through that full year.
0: Exactly. And the other issue they ran into, to be honest, is that they had TV deals with decent television partners. But the decent television partners were also in a position to push. They basically put some of the games on CBS. They put some of the games on the main networks. But then a bunch of the games got pushed over to CBS, you know, uh, I think CBS Sportsnet. Or um, what was
1: it called? CBS. Um, it's yeah, a secondary network. I think it's called CBS. I think it's just called like CBS Sports Network or something. Yeah,
0: something like that. But when you get pushed to the secondary network and, of course, NFL Network, which I've got and I like, but it's still not a primary channel.
1: No, I, and I also feel in that case that more homes in Canada get those secondary channels than do in the United States.
0: Yeah, but the thing is either way, you're limiting your audience and that's Absolutely always gonna are. and that's gonna hurt your ability to show a lot of the games. So even and even with that in place, and obviously I've got an NFL network, I still have to go online and try to find feeds to be able to watch some of the games and that made it difficult. And obviously I joked about pre, you know in the previous iterations when we talked about those games, I joked about the difficulty in getting AAF swag because they didn't have the infrastructure in place. So here's the deal. The AAF is 1.0 because they tried out a lot of stuff. Some of it worked, some of it didn't. The The model of being like a startup was not a good model to try to launch a league off of. But here's the most important part, and this is why it's relevant, why it's so critical here, is that this 1.0 was important because you established whether certain parts of it could be done, how it could be done, and what you could do right and wrong. But the problem that they ran into that happened is they were not able to capitalize on being first to market. First to market means that you had the opportunity, both the AAF and the XFL announced themselves within short order of each other, right around the same time. But the XFL gave itself that extra year to go to 2020. Well, the advantage the AAF got being first to market, they obviously lost that. But then the AAF gets to be, so here's the AAF, the, sorry, the XFL coming in. And now there's spring football 1.5. I'm not going to call it 2.0 because there's still some work to be done. But here's the deal. I, should, I think we should have been a little bit less surprised as far as the XFL being able to execute on certain things because they gave themselves the extra year. They refined the rules a little bit based off of what they saw. They were able to play some games in the spring league and take advantage of some developmental leagues to actually get the players some reps in it. So the offenses didn't look as bad as they did early on in the AAF, although this week we saw a little bit of that kind of play out. But on the whole, the offenses look more sophisticated and better constructed because you were able to take those advantages. And what they did is they basically got to look at all the mistakes that the AAF made and correct them on the fly. And they got an extra year to figure out how to do that. And on top of it, because the WWE has a lot of contacts, they were able to immediately get better network partners. All the XFL games basically, on the whole, for the most part, are on the main network. It's on Fox proper. It's It's not on secondary. It's not on FS1. They do have a couple of games on FS1, but the majority of the Fox games are on Fox. And it looks like a Fox football broadcast, which immediately lends credibility. And the ABC broadcast is, you know, combining with ESPN, it looks like a proper broadcast. They have a Canadian TV package. It's on TSN, on a regular mainline TSN. So if you've got it here in Canada, you can see all the games.
1: Yeah, so if people want to watch the game, they're going to be able to find it. Is it is available. There you go.
0: You don't have to do anything special, you don't have to do anything crazy. That's where they learned a lesson. And even one more thing that I'll talk about, obviously the rules, and we talked about that already, but one more thing I'll talk about here is when they go to the booth to, do, to show the, uh, the replay official, that was the same concept that the AAF did, but they did one thing. They turned the camera the other way so that you were also looking at what they were looking at on the screen. You weren't just looking at them from the face. You were actually seeing what they were looking at and what they were touching on the screen to get the different angles and things. It's small stuff like that, but that's stuff where you got to a chance to look at what they did and go, that's a good idea. But what if we did it this way?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So you actually got to take advantage of somebody already tried this for you. And the parts that work, you get to steal. And the parts that don't work, all right, scrap that. That's not so great. Let's leave that alone. So that's why I say kind of the XFL is now the spring football 1.5. If they want to get the full-fledged 2.0, there's still got some work to do. But they're a lot better off than when we originally started. So with all that said, week one, the big thing for me is, and they, I think they got lucked out. I think the first two games they got to play were actually really excellent because the D.C. team is solid, and I like a lot of what I see as far as Houston. And The big uh, winner of Week 1 to me uh, was uh, P.J. Walker. I believe it was P.J. Walker. I'll have to double-check that name. But P.J. Walker of Houston, the quarterback for Houston, he looked great. Uh, He is an undersized quarterback, but he is athletic and mobile. And the thing with that is that basically it immediately gives you a guy who can make plays. And on top of it, he steps into his throws— and actually makes clean throws, which immediately looks great. He's obviously auditioning. He's a guy who's taking his time here seriously and trying to show some really good game tape. So the reality is that that guy has a potential to be a breakout star. And then for DC, you've got. Um, I really gotta have
1: to start writing down my names here. So see, this is what happens when you do no preparation whatsoever. Like six minutes of preparation. It's at least better than nothing. Like, I actually have things written down, Carlos. Okay, but do you have the name of the DC quarterback? No, but I'm going to find it for you while you ramble on about something else. I'm going to Google it.
0: Yes, there you go. Teamwork, Dave. Teamwork makes the dream work. Don't you know how this works? Jesus, man. He crawls out of a ditch one time, and now now he thinks he's running the show. So anyway, uh, the reality is though, that the actual matchups that they were able to get on the first half of week one, if they had gotten the second half of it, it wouldn't have been quite as good, but I will say they were able to, to be the beneficiaries of it. And I think it's going to help for week two, although I feel really bad for the Seattle fans, uh, in the first night here on Saturday, they got, I believe over 30,000 in, um, over in Seattle, uh. And they even pulled out all the stops. They were able to get uh, Steve Largent out there, and they got some you know, dignitaries. And it looked good, but uh, both teams both struggled offensively. Quarterback I'm looking for is Cardinal Jones, who in Week 2 acquitted himself a lot more and actually demonstrated some really great, great playing ability. Although with Cardinal Jones, it's interesting because he is a legitimate great quarterback. But I will say my, my thing about Cardinal Jones that's hilarious is he's basically like a 6'5", 260-pound quarterback. He's just a big dude. So it's one of those things like you can't really take him down without really having to go through a lot of effort. Does he run? A little bit. And it's one of those things. He can run enough where he can get a little bit of a head of steam, and he can, but he, you don't really want to try to stop him because he's a big guy, so he can plow into you. But at the same time, he can make throws. He looks a little awkward at times doing it, but at the same time, the throws are accurate, and he can throw on the run, which is which actually Even adds it. another aspect to it. DC was able to win 27 to nothing. And they did attempt the first three point play in XFL history. And well, it's twenty seven to nothing instead of thirty to nothing. So, but at least they tried it. The point is they they were in a position to have to try it. Um, One thing you'll have to check out if you get a chance to check out the replay, I'll say to you, Dave, is check out if you can watch out highlights of that game. And Matt McGloin for the New York uh, Defenders, he was furious and being mic'd up, he took pot shots at at his own team. (laughs) it was glorious. That's awesome. It was one of the best things. Even even when he was at the at halftime, when they interviewed him on the sideline, he says, "We've got to change everything about our offensive game plan." <laughs> and then by the end of the game, where he finally got pulled because it just wasn't working, he had two interceptions. He goes, "This is like I knew I had no confidence at all that anything good was." I'm paraphrasing. I had no confidence at all that anything good was going to happen. This is the worst game that I have been a part of.
1: Awesome. And, and, you know, that's a cool thing, right, too, that you have those in-game interviews, right, not just the, like, halftime ones or the after the game where they're interviewing a player, but they're actually have in-game things, which I think a lot of – some players are, you know, probably not a big fan of, but it's kind of cool element to the game that you can watch, too, right?
0: Yes, but I noticed from week one to week two, they got a lot better at being judicious about it. There's a time and a place where it can be really beneficial. But uh, in week one, I will say in the ABC coverage, they tried to get a sideline interview for everyone every five seconds, regardless of play. I think they might have tried to interview the water boy at a certain point. Like, so you poured water. How is that going for you so far in this game? It was too much. And then I noticed that by the second night, they scaled it back a little bit. And this week, there was a little bit more judicious. But when they did it, they were able to do it for maximum effect. The Matt McGloin stuff was gold. But Matt McGloin, uh, McGloin is slowly, slowly... And, and given the the connection with Vince McMahon and WWE, like he's very very close to turning heel. I'm waiting for him to like hit one of his own one of his own coaches with a steel chair and say, "If you smell what Matt McGloyne is cooking," like he's slowly mo- morphing into into a wrestling villain, because he really is taking pot shots at his own team, and that is what I enjoy in a leader. Take pot shots at your own team, Matt McGloyne. Do it. I like it. It's good. And then from the quarterback, it's, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Although Matt McGloin will have to play better if he intends to be able to do it for very long. Anyway, so that's it for that, and uh, there's your scoreboard for week two so far. DC Defenders 2 0, 27 0 victory against the New York Defenders, who have to go back to the drawing board.
1: And the so second. You said DC Defenders, New York Defenders. What's the actual Sorry, DC
0: Defenders taking on the New York Enforcers. Thank you. Quick editor's note here. For some reason, I really, really struggle with trying to remember that it's New York Guardians. So I do know which one it is, but it was the DC Defenders beating the New York Guardians. I'll get it right at some point, especially when I go into the specific XFL stuff in the coming weeks. But just so you're aware, I am aware that I completely messed this one up. So New York Guardians, New York Guardians, Matt McGloin, New York Guardians. We got it. Yeah. So 27 to nothing, though. They are going to have to do some serious work if they intend to do to get out of that. And Matt McGloin is not happy. So there you go. Now, you know. And knowing is half the battle. We're not using the jingle. We're going to get sued. All right. Let's talk about Houston Astros. Because at least then I can remember some people's names. So that's the thing.
1: I I do have a little bit of indignant rage over this. Want, Ooh, indignant rage! Out. I'm a fan. I, I, I want do to put tell. That out there.
0: Bring on indignant so, rage.
1: So the thing here's the thing that bugs me about this. So they got caught. You had the manager it, which fine. Like, well, they didn't actually really get caught because the only reason they got caught is because a foreign player spoke out. Right. I can't remember. Do you remember his name? You gonna you pull up names? Oh, out the pitcher. Yeah, the guy who's pitching for Oakland now. I can't remember his name. He's not in my notes. See, this is what happens when you only do six minutes of notes. Now, Carlos is going to look it up while I rant. But you had AJ Hinch, who was the manager, Jeff Lucknow, who was the general manager. They're both originally suspended for a year, but then they were fired by the Houston Astros owner. Then you had Alex Cora, who is not or was a player and uh, manage- uh, a manager. He's bench coach. Sorry, Mike Fires. Mike Fires is a pitcher. Yes, relief pitcher. Mm-hmm. And then Alex Cora, who was the manager of Boston now. And then he got fired from Boston. And then Carlos Beltran, who was a an outfielder for Houston, who was going to become the manager of the Mets, he got fired. But it seems like unless you're in management, there's no accountability here.
0: Well, that's the whole argument about the immu- immunity me. deal. Because the because the thing is the the players basically agreed to rat out their uh, their coaches and managers and stuff in return for immunity.
1: So so here's my thing, okay? So if that's what you want to do. Rob Manfred, which I think you're being not nearly harsh enough in what you've done. Here's my take. So I thought long and hard of this, and as our listeners, if they remember and they pay attention, you know I'm a Dodgers fan, right? And I'm going to say this right now. I don't think you should award the 2017 World Series to the Los Angeles Dodgers. I don't think you should. But I think it should be vacated. I think there should be, 2017, there should be no World Series champion. We already have no no World Series champion for 1994, and you know, that was different. It was different because it was they literally didn't play World Series. Yes. But I mean, it's not like there's you know every year of baseball history doesn't have a World Series champion. So it's not like it's it would be in that sense something that there is no precedent for. But if you're not going to individually punish players, so basically what you said is you you know yeah okay you write out the quote but they got off scot free. You still get to say you got your World Championship, your ring, you got your ring and realistically, other than potentially being beaned or booed mercifully, probably for this year, and that probably is it, maybe it even dies down as the season goes along, you got off scot-free. So what the hell is the, is preventing people from doing not doing this again? Like, at the very least, at the very least, Carlos, you're no longer a World Series champion. Then if you don't want to put it, you don't want to suspend people, you don't want to whatever, but in the history of baseball, and I know we're going to talk about Pete Rose later, but if you, if you look at people who have cheated the game, they have been punished in some way, shape, or form, right? Even if you look at, say, Barry Bonds and uh, Roger Clemens, right? They're not in the Hall of Fame yet. Maybe they'll get in next year. They still have potential time. But there's been sort of some consequence, even though there's a ton of other people doing it. Yeah, the... Uh, what? But, but for that perceived, you know, but cheating the game. In this case, the Houston Astros cheated the game from their sign-stealing. Now, is sign-stealing okay with me? Yes, if you do it in the old-fashioned way, right? But the fact that they're doing it electronically and banging on the thing and then they have people in the dugout watching video and all that kind of crap, it took it to a step too far. Punish the people, you are no longer World Series champions, and then everybody can move on. Yeah, they're going to be pissed off about that, but I don't really care what these Houston Astros players think. They're not sorry, they're, they're crying crocodile tears every time they get interviewed. They're not sorry that they did it. So get rid of the damn championship. I wasn't this heated when I started this, Carl, but they don't deserve it. They I, don't deserve it. What makes me so happy is that you did get increasingly heated as you went through this
0: take and just kept, like, thinking about it and it snowballed itself. So this is great for a couple of angles.
1: Sorry, and I just want to put it in there. I know it's been said before, but they will forever be, no matter what happens, they are now the Houston Aster- Asterix for all of eternity. This is wonderful
0: on many levels. Allow me to explain, elucidite for the listeners, why this is wonderful on many levels. Number one, Dave was truly passionate in that as a, as a truly passionate Dodgers fan until they trade away P.K. Subban. I, I don't know if it's in play, but I, I feel like they should they should sign
1: him just so they oh, can trade him away. According to history, trading away P.K. Subban is always in play, apparently.
0: Yeah, listen, I don't think for one moment it isn't. And if they, and if they do, I expect an equivalent, you know, runaway from you. Whether he
1: plays for you or not, it's still in play.
0: Yeah. And then more importantly, I don't think Los Angeles has the poutine to bring you back. I don't think I don't think that's a thing that's gonna work but out. But they, they do
1: have Santa Monica. Santa Monica's kind of nice. You know, the pier, the Hollywood <laughs> side.
0: <laughs> the pause <laughs> where you were trying to think of a second thing. Yes. You know. That, right? The Tourist Bureau of Santa Monica. Now we'll show you. Well, guys, we got the pier. You don't need anything else. Dramatic pause. You don't need
1: anything else. All right. It's the end of Route 66. There you go. All
0: right. Now I've got more material to mock you, but let's move move on from there. Okay. So here's the reason why I say this is wonderful. Number one, the passion, you know, randomly escalating throughout that whole rant was great. Secondly, this is cool because I get to be in a unique position. I am, as Dave knows... Baseball is my favorite sport, bar none, no question, number one by a great margin. I am a student of baseball history. It is kind of my jam. It's my thing that I do. But here's the thing. Being a student of baseball history, I'm not really that upset about the Houston Astros thing. And to be honest, I'm disappointed in any of them that decide to apologize in any way, shape, or form. I would have leaned into it and go, yeah, damn right. And if I could get away with it, I'd do it again. Losers. Eat it, suckers.
1: But you know what? You know what? I would respect that more because that's how I actually think they feel. Yes. And
0: there's no sense at that point in lying to everybody. It's like, look, man, you did it because you wanted an edge. And I respect that. And I'm okay with that. And more importantly, the history of baseball tells us that the game of baseball is different than a couple of the other ones in this way. The game of professional baseball, and we got to kind of remember, let me let me give some actual serious context of baseball history for everybody's benefit here. We got to remember, professional baseball is kind of is the sport of the four major that we're considering that has the longest history. It's got the longest history to draw back from. The earliest days of professional baseball really came down to you had these games being played from these rival towns, basically. That's how, how a lot of it came together. And then after a while, they started realizing, like, hey, we hate losing. And we can get players who are better, but they're not necessarily from our town. But if we get pay- players that we pay, we can get better players. And that instituted the era of semi-professional baseball because some pay- players were getting paid, other ones were not. And then eventually the era of professional baseball kicked in, but it took a while. It's not like it happened overnight. It was. It wasn't. The history of baseball goes back, depending on what you believe, somewhere between the 1850s and the 1860s. If you ever want to do... Google uh, Cincinnati Red Stockings. That's a team from, I believe, the 1860s that held the record of, cons- of most consecutive wins. And it was an absurd number well, over, well into 100-plus games. And that was one of the early... And the reason why they were so good is that was basically the first all-professional team. So they were substantially better than everybody else that they played. And that allowed them to go on this ridiculous win streak that was eventually snapped, but it took a while. The point that I'm trying to get at is trying to get an edge is weaved into the history of baseball. Agreed. Right from the fact that, you know, you're, you're you're paying some players where the other teams don't have that luxury or didn't think to do that to spiking a player to once the spitball became illegal, you know, pitchers coming up with all manner of emery boards, uh, you know, Vaseline under bill cap, the spitball itself using actual spit.
1: Corking bats.
0: Corking bats, you know, steroids, greenies in the 1960s. And, you know, the gambling element that was in for a period of time before Kena saw Mountain Landis rose from his mountain down to proclaim. But the point is that there's always an element of shadiness to baseball. And I don't mind that because it's been there since they won. They didn't, they, they've never, it's, it's only been in the last couple of decades that there's this weird puritanical, like, claim to purity that baseball never had. Baseball's dirty, the whole thing. And that's okay if you acknowledge the dirtiness And any any endeavor where winning and losing has, you know, um, not consequences is not the word I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is if there are rewards for victory versus just trying to play your best, then there's always the opportunity and a reason for somebody to try to take an edge. The Houston Astros did all that stuff that they did, and and the reality is some of the players participated actively in terms of coming up with the idea, executing the idea. They probably tried multiple iterations to get to the system they eventually came up with. I'm sure they didn't think of that whole elaborate thing in one shot. It probably took a bunch of conversations and and some, there were probably some aborted attempts that people don't even know about that didn't quite work right. So then somebody made a suggestion, oh, hey, how are you going to relay it to the batter? What if we use a trash can? And then if you believe the thing about the buzzers, probably somebody goes, hey, it would be more efficient to do this. So they even refined the idea as it went along to come up with ways of making it work better. But the reality is some players were actively involved in terms of that, and some players just benefited from it. And in reality, they all got to benefit when they won the World Series. And they almost won a second one if uh, Washington hadn't been able to perform up to a level that they did. But the, um, the fact that the Red Sox are also being investigated as well, which may or may not lead to anything because Joey Cora's presence there, he was present in both places. It's not unreasonable to believe that there wasn't at least an attempt to do some of that. So here's the thing. If you want to invalidate the championship, go ahead. But then what do you do if you find that there's a little bit of that going on with the Red Sox too? And if you find there's a little bit of that going on with some other teams, because that would be two consecutive World Series champions that you have to try to invalidate. To your point about the steroid guys, It's not Major League Baseball that's doing it. It's the Hall of Fame. And the the thing is, the Hall of Fame is a bunch of writers. The writers can do whatever the hell they want. They can use this and just say, all right, Altuve, you're out. one, you're out.
1: They could. What I'm saying is, in my point of that, and I agree, yeah, absolutely. It's not Major League Baseball. It's the writers. Totally different organization. But there's no guarantee that they're going to be held accountable at any point. We'll see. That's you know what I mean. Like that's something we're not going to know for a few years.
0: I agree. The biggest the biggest reason why there's a little bit of an issue here, and I understand the the furor of some folks about this, but at the same time, the reason why I say it's it's a bit it's a bit more tricky than that and more nuanced is this: we agree that science stealing is part of the game. Everybody literally starts off at the baseline of agreeing with that, but then they say, "Oh well, you, we to introduce the electronic element, like well, the electronic element exists." If they could have done it in the nineteen sixties or the nineteen fifties or nineteen the forties, they could have used electronics to help. They would have used it. They would have tried, but they, it wasn't but I
1: available. I, I still, regardless of <laughs> when it's available, when it became available, to me is not an issue. It's a point that I feel that's taken a step too far. How? Because because you're relying on other things other than the players on the field, right? If you can do it just you on the field, I'm okay with that, right? So if somebody's standing on second base and they figure out the signs and they're relaying the signs, or they're having conversations with it afterwards, I, that's fine. As far as I'm concerned, I don't care about that. That that's okay. And this thing, what Houston did to me, too much. You you've I, I you've cheated the game in a way that is outside. This is going to sound ridiculous, but you it already che- does. You you've cheated the game in a way that's outside of the acceptable lines of cheating the game.
0: I was hoping that you would literally say it in that way, which makes it fantastic. I want that in a shirt. You cheated outside of the accepted ways of cheating. Yeah, great. But that's baseball. Yeah, that—that's that, that's the whole thing. That's the reason why I don't get that indignant about it. No honesty. Here's the thing: if you wanted, if if, the, if Major League Baseball had wanted to do it, I let me put it this way: my feelings on that are can be summed up like this. If Major League Baseball had decided to invalidate the 2017 championship because of that, I would have been okay with it. I would not have fought against it. I wouldn't have argued against it. I don't care that much. But the reality is, if the 2017 Houston Astros want to prance around with the championship, again, going back to the Matt McGloin thing, if they want to go full heel and just run out and go like, we're the champions, losers, I would have been okay with that too. I would have been completely fine with it. At least own it. If you're going to be the villains, then you know what? Stand up there and be like, well, it's like, I hope, I bet you guys think you caught us. What if we came up with another way of doing it?
1: Hey, you know what? At least... I would respect, at least that, you know, I would respect that because it's honest in the sense that their reaction and how they feel about it and how they're portraying to the public is honest. They're right. We got caught. We don't really care. Other than the fact that we got caught. And if we could have done it again, we would say that because that's the truth. Yeah,
0: the, the owner, the, the Houston Astros owner, I think, kind of feeds into that. I think he's he's more inclined to be that. <laughs> he's more inclined down down that. I don't know if you... Uh, did you catch or hear anything about the the press conference when they finally did have the thing? Yeah. Yeah, so the owner was the one who kind of leaned into it where he's just like... And he opened himself up for additional scrutiny by like trying to say, like, oh, well, I don't think it had any
1: bearing. It's like, well,
0: yeah. I will say, though,
1: one thing... Of course you're going to say that. I think that's bullshit. But yeah. of course you're going to say that.
0: I will say, though, that um, one thing that makes it a little bit tricky again is even if, and this has always been my thing about this, if you say, okay, well, you know, knowing what pitch is coming is going to help, it's like, you're damn right it's going to help. But at the same time, you know, I'll use an example of a guy that I've, I've slagged in endlessly. Uh, you know, alleged uh, unanimous Hall of Famer, Mariano Rivera. An alleged Hall of Famer. An alleged good baseball player. Alleged good pitcher. Uh, is this Marianne, just because
1: you're beef because he didn't play for Team Panama?
0: Listen, we do not speak of any of the Riveras. They are dead to us. Dead to us for all time. This is fair. Him and the
1: cousin, both of them, especially the dead. cousin, dead. Especially the cousin,
0: dead. Anyway, but here's the thing: what was Mariano Rivera's big claim to fame? Aside from the fact that he couldn't pitch more than an inning or two because he's not a good pitcher. Aside from that, what's his claim to fame? He, he based, had one pitch. I mean, the thing is, technically speaking, he didn't, but well, he used claim, one pitch so much. I think they did a. I think I, I, if I ever I can find it, I'll, I'll link it somewhere. There were there there was a statistical analysis of one of his seasons later on in his career. And I think he ended up using that same cutter about 85% of the time. So the point is, guess what? You know what he's throwing. You don't even need the sign steel. There's an 85% chance he's going to throw the cutter. Did that help? Nope. So the, so I, I get the point. But if the pitcher is is throwing good stuff, if his location is superb, if he's able to hit his spots with consistency, and if he's got good stuff, knowing what knowing that the fastball is coming against Nolan Ryan is not tremendously helpful it doesn't assist you that much because there's a good chance especially in his prime if if it's 1975 and he's and he's pitching for the California Angels and Nolan and we tell you Nolan Ryan Nolan Ryan can declare i am going to throw five straight fastballs that isn't going to help because in those days he was throwing comfortably at over 100 when he felt like it like you can't stop it if you can hit it you know, he tips his cap to you. But, not, but most of the time, he was virtually unhittable, especially in the mid-70s. That's when he got a lot of those no-hitters. So he was nearly unhittable at stretches of time. It didn't help. So the point is, would it? could it have helped Houston? Absolutely, 100%. It definitely helps. Because not everybody is that great. Not everybody is... Guys with marginal stuff are going to get hammered if you know what's coming. Because the deception is the one little piece they can hang on to. But my solution is, number one, get better pitchers. Number two constant countermeasures you can keep switch switching out the signs number three if you're worried about technology to that degree maybe give the pitcher a little bit of latitude to pick their own pitch because the reality is you're stealing a sign if there's no sign to steal you can't do it mm-hmm. that I'm saying there are ways there are countermeasures and the other reality is that is a little underplayed, is that when as time has gone on now and this thing has progressed along a little bit there are a bunch of teams that said yeah we knew about the Astros we're doing something like that well if the teams knew about it number one they decided not to whistleblow themselves which is kind of interesting. And number two, that means there's a possibility there were some more teams that were doing similar type of stuff. But number three, on top of that, they apparently didn't think it was enough of a big deal to raise a stink about it at the time. Now that the Houston Astros are caught, it's really easy to just point them, oh, these guys, they're, they're bastards, they suck. But at the same time, it's like, if you guys already thought something was going on, why didn't you say anything? When you had plenty of ample opportunity to be like, hey, Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, check, you should look into this. Because think about it this way going into a different era of cheating. How did Spygate even become a thing?
1: I don't remember. Eric Mangini basically
0: told Bill Belichick, he said, hey, I know what you do. Don't do that to me. And then when he did it, Mangini basically tipped off the NFL officials and then they caught them doing it. So the only way it became known is that somebody who knew decided to tip him off. So as soon as they tipped him off, then they caught him red-handed. It was like, aha! And here we are. Yeah, and and despite you know, I can make the argument if you want. Despite that, no one is arguing that we should invalidate a couple of the New England championships.
1: I think we should just because yeah,
0: like I, I think I think I think we could easily get rid of you know four or five or six of them. Okay, I'm okay with that comfortably. Yeah, I think most people would be too. I look forward to in, in finally winning a Super Bowl someday. See, does not so much better. It's about time, you know. It's really, it's really a shame. But, but that's the whole thing. Like, it, it's... I get the conversation and I get the argument that people can make. But the problem is that there's so much cheating in the game to begin with that if that's what you're going to get freaked out about, God help you. Then I, I introduced you to the history of the game. Please look into it. Uh, Gaylord Perry's in the Hall of Fame and he literally admitted to cheating for years. His career lasted comfortably over 20 years. He threw the spitball all the time. Yeah. And people knew. Like, it, it's not like he hit it so well that nobody knew. Like, people knew. But it's, it's one... Of, what do you want? It, like, that's how it is. Yeah. I'm just saying, my only point is that, like, guys, out of all the sports, of professional sports landscape, baseball is the hardest one for me to get righteously indignant about cheating on. It's really hard. Like, it's not impossible, but it, it's it's tough. And the Houston thing I can live with, I really just prefer that they just own it and just wear the villain hat. Because, to be honest, we love a good villain. It's kind of fun. It makes it interesting. You can root against them. Yeah. I I, yep. I don't see that as being a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. Okay, so that's Houston Astros. We'll play off of that really quick. This one's fairly brief, but I did enjoy that the Houston Astros thing gave us more Pete Rose. Pete Rose is like, well, they haven't been punished, so why am I still being punished? Why can't I go to the Hall of Fame? Even though the Hall of Fame is a different institution, and if the writers really wanted to do it, they could still have done it. Sure, he's in the ineligible list, but they chose to acknowledge the ineligible list because that's for Major League Baseball. That has nothing to do with the Hall of Fame. They elected to honor the ineligible list, which has nothing to do with Major League Baseball.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think my thing with with Pete Rose (coughs) is, I can see, obviously I see where he's coming from, but at the same time, even despite my rant, Pete Rose has had numerous chances throughout his life to get back in. And he's, you know, if he just admitted the whole thing straight out in what was the truth the first time, Maybe this wouldn't have happened. Well, this but, a, this is Pete Rose has had so many opportunities to come clean, fix it, do whatever he needed to do to get people to change their mind. And anytime he's had that opportunity, he hasn't done it.
0: Well, that was the problem is that he, his real window to fix this, and to, he'd probably be in the Hall of Fame by now. His window is when Bart Giamani basically came to him and they asked him, like, hey, did you do? And he started a whole series of denials. And eventually he accepted a deal to like, you know, whatever. But the reality is, if he had just been like, yep, I did it. I need to get some help. You know, I apologize to everyone. If he had just done that in 19, I think it was 1989 when that whole thing came down. If he had just done that in 1989, yeah, people would have been mad for a while. But eventually it would have been like maybe five or 10 years later, they'd have been like, all right, look, cut the guy a break. Uh, Because at least from the get-go, he owned it. This is the thing talking about the Houston Astros. Just own it. (laughs) You did it. Yeah. Here's the thing. I, I respect at least that you try, that you cared enough to cheat in the first place, but own it. You did it and just go with it. If you go with it, at the end of the day, some people will respect you for that. And at the end of the day, it's a much easier conversation to be like, all right, we're going to ban him. We're going to keep him out for 15 or 20 years, which would have expired by now comfortably already. And maybe about 10 years ago, he could have gone in. Or they could do it the way that I say. I've said it a million times. It he as a as a player statistically, Pete Rose belongs in the Hall of Fame. Like I said, the Hall of Fame themselves have decided to honor the you know the exemption list, the um the the rule basically banning him from baseball. The thing is, Pete Rose can't be a manager. He can't participate in, you know, working with teams in that way actively. He can't be involved in any of that. The Hall of Fame could still induct him into the Hall of Fame, but to me, the simplest solution, and you could do the same thing for Sheila Joe Jackson, the simplest thing is. You put a separate wall in the Hall of Fame. You erect a wall. You put the plaque there. Makes abundantly clear that banned from baseball for life because of gambling and thus was is in the baseball permanently ineligible list. Here are his accomplishments. His career warranted recognition in the Hall of Fame. Change the wording. Call it recognition in the Hall of Fame. So you give him what looks like a plaque, but it explicitly states you are banned for life because you did something wrong, but your career warrants recognition as a great player in the hall of fame
1: now when you say recognition though they have artifacts in the hall of fame that are people yeah but I'm, but I'm is talking about not, but is i'm talking about good enough then
0: but i'm talking about giving something the equivalent the equivalent to what the plaque because the plaque if you look at the plaques they're basically a list of the career complex yeah. that's really what yeah. it is but what you do is you go you give them something that's similar but it's like a step down from a proper and by the way that means no ceremony you don't get to give a speech you don't get people coming over to the, you. Don't even you don't even do a thing. You just say, "Hey, this is what we decided to do." Here's the wall. You come to the Hall of Fame. You can visit it. Here's the wall. They're not Hall of Famers by def, by the traditional sense of definition. They're recognized great players. You call it something else.
1: Yeah, I don't. I I know.
0: You I, have to separate it.
1: No, I you know I, I hear what you're saying, but I think Hall of Fame wise, if you're going to do that, you're either in or you're out. But your thing is you're not in because you get in. No, that's I get that, but I think you're either in or you're not. So you're either in. Which means you're on the wall, you're recognized with all the other guys, or there isn't that kind of recognition. The problem with that, I think, you get into too many gray areas. But the the
0: problem with that, the thing is, the the wall takes care of the gray area. They're in the gray area. They're over on the other wall.
1: No, but no, I'm not saying. What I'm saying is, what other guys on the list? Like, are you saying that Pete Rose and Shoeless Joe Jackson only?
0: At this moment in time, yeah.
1: Well, what about how, now, what about Barry Bonds Roger Clemens if they don't get in elected by the baseball writer? Like, I mean, there's well, just the so thing, many other things that come up. Hold on. I here, don't like it.
0: Here's the problem with that premise. I'm not talking about if they don't get in. If they don't get in, they don't get in. The thing is, Pete Rose is on the permanently ineligible list. They've never done a vote. So it's not that he hasn't gotten in. It's that he's not even brought up for
1: a vote. So the the reality... So your criteria would be guys that if you something had something happen, you had but they, have, could, they, they could not be elected.
0: Yeah. Because the thing is, the Barry Bonds and the Roger Clemens, get,
1: it sucks right. to be you. Okay, then in that case, I still don't. I still don't like the idea. But I feel. I feel you like have a something. You have. You there. have to
0: allow. You. You allow the writers to go in. Like, all right, knowing what you know, are you comfortable with this person being recognized in this way? Not in the traditional Hall of Fame route, because that they're out of baseball in that way. But does the career warrant recognition this way? Because the issue with Pete Rose and Joe Jackson isn't the steroids. The issue with them is that they got rendered ineligible because yeah. of activities. Mm-hmm. And the activities didn't add to their on-field performance. So it's like a separate category. The steroids thing, you can make the argument that it enhanced their Call of Fame credentials. So it's like, it, it's still, there's still a separation there. And Schulter's Jackson and Pete Rose both never got a vote. So it's one of those things, you can put it in front of them, like, here's the case. Here's the issue. Yay or nay. And then you let them choose. And if they say yeah, then they get then they get put on that sidewall. Otherwise, they're still out forever. Hmm. And then you're done. You move on. But you give him his day in court, so to speak. You let them go with the vote. Is he worthy or not? All-time hit king, yes or no? You know, Shulis Joe Jackson, like a three fifty career hitter, yes or no? Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, if, if something they had done had enhanced their credentials, then we're in the Roger Clemens, you know, Barry Bonds category, in which case you're going to have to do this the old-fashioned way. They're on the ballot, so they're allowed to vote for them. So that's the thing. Like, knowing what we know, they're on the ballot. If they choose not to elect them, that's a separate conversation. Fair enough? Yeah? That's that's enough. how I separate the two. So and there's not a lot of cases that are gonna come up for it because it would require something very exceptional. Because otherwise you would have gotten your chance. You would have at least they could have voted for you and they just chose not to. That's right. different. So that's all I'm saying about that.
1: Alright. So now. Alright. Hold on. Let me let me let me just so you can have your proper introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, news has broke. That Jameis Winston, the first 30 30 man in the NFL that is throwing 30 touchdowns and throwing 30 interceptions, has announced he is getting LASIK eye surgery. Carlos. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't hold it for that long. I'm afraid I have a bit of a cold. I apologize. But the point is, you could imagine that laugh loop for a little bit. Imagine the million dollar man's laugh and basically loop that for about five minutes. And that's what's going on in my head when I read that.
1: Will we get sued if we play that <laughs> sound effect?
0: I, I think a laugh isn't really a I mean, thing. We,
1: we've had the quiet laugh. <laughs>
0: Look, I don't know if it's going to help or not, but I do find it incredibly amusing that into his professional career, Jameis Winston, if I don't know the full extent of how much that has affected his vision, but keeping in mind that he had 30 touchdowns, which leads to you know talent clearly, and you know I think it was I don't know if he I don't know if he cleared 5,000 yards this year, but he, he had a lot a lot of passing yards, and he had some really monster games but then also some inexplicably unexplainable interceptions where it's like you're literally throwing to the wrong team. And it's not like double coverage. It's like, no, there's none of your players there. The other team's players are there. That's where you threw it. That level is like either you're incredibly stupid and your decision-making is atrocious, or maybe in fact you cannot see and you're just randomly throwing it in the void and seeing what happens. In which case, If suddenly he becomes, like, a 40-touchdown, 10-interception guy and is an MVP candidate, you know, insert million-dollar-man laugh, followed by, why would no one have thought to have checked this? Seriously.
1: And apparently you said earlier, off-air, we talked about it, that it's been an issue since college
0: yeah my understanding is that he has had this issue where like his vision has not been clear at a certain distance like uh, like I said I'm going off of you know little snippets I've picked up here and there my understanding is that he has issues sometimes seeing the scoreboard properly clearly as someone who wears glasses like if you can't see like if I take my glasses off I'm not going to run into walls there is I can, I can see a wall I have enough perception to be able to see that but it's a hell of a lot clearer when I'm wearing my glasses and seeing it. If I got laser eye surgery, then I wouldn't need the glasses and I would get the similar level of clarity. It's a big – it's a difference maker. If you can legitimately see clearly what you're trying to do, I imagine in a sport where you're trying to throw a ball into a window, it would help to be able to see the window clearly so that you can aim, mm-hmm. I, I, I think. So that's why I say like it would be wonderful if he comes in next year and suddenly he's lighting it up and everyone's just like staring at it going, coaches – General manager, organization, why did no one even think about this? Why did no one ask? It's like, can you see properly? And, and I saw somebody use the analogy on a podcast that was wonderful. Remember Major League One? Ricky Vaughn. Yes. Yeah. Like, I was like, great pitcher. Put some glasses on, Vaughn, so that you can throw a freaking strike.
1: Yeah, totally.
0: Now, that, imagine if that's what it is. In which case, now it's like, you will be starring in Major League Four, James Winston. It's the guy who gets glasses and all of a sudden can throw a damn strike. Yeah. I I secretly hope that that's what happens. That's all I'm saying. I secretly hope that's what happens. So that covers the news. We actually got pretty good mileage on the news. Now we're going to come back in a moment and we're going to talk about uh, the NL West now? Yes. Okay. We're going to talk about the NL West. So we'll be back in just a second. It's intermission time. Time for refreshment. And with that wonderful commercial interruption, which wasn't really a commercial interruption, is it It was a noise of some kind that I found from somewhere. Now we're going to talk about the National League West preview. Like I said earlier, yes, I prepared for it too. And by that, I mean, I know the teams in the division. Dave's going to say some stuff about them and then I'll make up some stuff about them. Yankees in 12.
1: Go ahead, Dave. Okay. So obviously uh, my division, because we got the Dodgers here. Why don't you pick a team, Carlos, and we'll start with him.
0: All right, uh, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna save us all from the Mookie talk for a couple of minutes. Uh, let's start with the Giants.
1: All right, so the Giants—they have Hunter Pence. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> that I know. Yeah, and they also got Wilmer Flores. Uh, I think my take on San Fran this year is they suck. Last year, they're gonna suck this year.
0: But San Francisco's beautiful. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, they got a bridge.
1: They got seven bridges. Che- you
0: can check out the Full House House. Which yeah. seems redundant,
1: but it they, is a thing. They got a couple of breweries. Yeah. You know, the food. We got If you like crab, they got crab.
0: Silicon Valley. You can check out some of the if you, if you want to have investments. Alcatraz.
1: You know, there's some things. Um, look, if you're into prospects and you're looking to see maybe a little bit of Joey Bart, who they're hoping is going to replace Buster Posey or the shortstop, Mauricio Dubon, then great. Otherwise, there's really no point in watching this team. Unless they're playing the team that you cheer for. Hey, listen. The important thing is this.
0: I, I, uh,
1: out of solidarity
0: based on, you know, your, your assassination of the San Francisco Giants, I will randomly watch a couple of San Francisco Giants games just out of the goodness of my heart since I have the package. But And they got John Miller doing the radio broadcast. Exactly. Right? So that's all right.
1: That's that's worth it right there.
0: Yeah, but the thing is, New York, uh, San Francisco Giants fans... Have really nothing did to do with. You just almost
1: called the New Yorker. I, I did. I, I went At least back. You didn't throw
0: in the I football. Went, I went back. No, no, no. I'm talking about the original. Say hey, kid. 1954 catches the ball all the way and makes a turnaround throw. Polo right. grounds,
1: man. Polo the polo
0: grounds. ground. Which, by the way, I wish they would bring back the polo grounds. Giants. If you bring back the polo grounds with the absurd dimensions, that's a winner. That, in there. That's a classic stadium that I would totally visit right now. Anyway, uh, the thing is. The Giants fans really have nothing to complain about. Look, you won three World Series in the first half of the last decade. So it's not like you're that far removed from championships. Uh, The team's going to have to rebuild, and they're still in that process. I don't know what the centerpiece of that's going to be. However, I would say, outside of Madison Baumgartner and, you know, um, Tim Lincecum, and you had some great pitchers in those teams, think about it. Go back to those teams. Who was the superstar? Like, seriously, think about Who was the superstar of those Giants Super Bowl, uh, sorry, World Series winning teams. Who? Like, it wasn't built that way. You had Buster Posey, who was great. You had Pablo Sandoval, who was clutch. Uh, He was, you know, their version of Big Pappy. But you had had players who played well together, but it's not like you had... They were not this dominant franchise with the superstar player who was carrying them, and they won three World Championships. That's impressive. Yes, it is. And I'd love to see a team built like that win the World Series again. Washington, to a certain degree, had a taste of that, although Soto might become the breakout star. We'll talk about that more when we get to that division. But I like their prospects in the future, uh, the not-too-distant future, because they've got some studs and uh, some, te- some good players on that team. All right. So, they, yeah, really the Giants is, if you enjoy watching prospects and you want to hear some John Miller, you got it. Silicon Valley, the bridge. Woo!
1: There you go. All right. So why don't we just sort of move somewhere in some direction geographically. Wow. can't even talk. Let's go to the Dodgers now. or no, you want to say Moogie Betts. No, no, okay. no. The Dodgers is staying at the end. We're doing that at All the right, end. All right, let's go Padres then. So we're, we're still in California. Also also really nice. Yeah, you know what? Padres interests me in the sense that because of where I think other teams are going to be, I feel this is a team that has like a super outside shot at making the second wild card. Okay. All right, so you've, you do have some decent additions. You have starting pitcher Zach Davies. You have relief pitcher Drew Pomeranz. You have relief pitcher uh, Emilio Pagan. You have uh, Jerickson Profar. You got Tommy Pham. So, you know, in addition to people like uh, what is I can't think of his name now, the shortstop that you, that played for Baltimore and then played for LA. Manny Machado. Manny Machado, Yeah, Manny Machado. I, I literally could have filled that in, but I needed I needed I needed you, that. You want? Okay, no worries. I, it's like you had your six minutes of research, Dave. Yeah. Six minutes. And I thought I would have remembered that name. <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? Like, it's not like they're have a horrible roster of talent. They've no. got some decent players. I don't, you know, they, Did you like, mention Fernando Tetis Jr.? I did not. But yeah, the, the, he's great too. The, the, he, he is
0: one of the key so here's the thing. On paper, there is talent there. So I think your assertion is not ridiculous. Manny Machado is a great player. He might be overpaid for what he is, but he's still a great player. Correct. Fernando Tatius Jr. is someone that a lot of people are high on. He could be very exciting. He could be very good. He was injured, I believe, last year. That's kind of what held him back. But if he's healthy and he's playing well, there could be, you know, that could be a big, that's basically a huge addition of a player they've already got. Yeah. So it's one of those things where, like, maybe if he comes of age and, you know, starts producing right away, that would be huge for them. And they could they could put together a decent little team. Plus,
1: their uniforms are snazzy. Yeah, they've got, they got some nice. You know, culture. so I think there's possibility. It's just a question of what do these additions do? Do they make them significantly better? I don't know if they necessarily make them significantly better, but they've got enough talent there that it's not. It would not. Sh- i mean, It would shock me if they won the division, but it wouldn't shock me if they had some improvement and, like I said, have a have a you know, or at least in the hunt in September.
0: I think if they're in the hunt, I think that would be good. For the fan base, and I think that'd be good for them going forward to give them some momentum so they could get more pieces. Yeah. I think they need that, but I think they, they need to see some forward progression. And no. it's
1: possible. And again, it's one of those teams that if things work out, who knows where they are at the trade deadline, and, and maybe they make some moves there that could potentially you know, take them to another level. The Colorado Rockies. Nolan and Renata hates you. Correct. Uh, honestly, I think this team is going to suck. Yes, you have Ebaldo Jimenez coming in. But you didn't really do anything and Nolan Aaron hates you and Well, hates you because hates
0: you because you keep trying to trade him away.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like your clubhouse just... is potentially poison. There's still a the chance that he might not be there at the beginning of the season. Quite frankly, Carlos, I think this team is going to be garbage this year. At least they have Weed. And they have, you know, the elevation, so balls fly out like crazy.
0: Yeah, no, that's a thing. Uh it's interesting because the whole approach so as far as analysis, I don't have a lot on the Rockies. I still have to get I, I jokes aside, I have to get a handle on them because I really don't know what they are right now. I'm not I'm and again, the Nolan and They're only
1: a couple of years removed from being a really good team. Exactly.
0: And that's the thing, it's that uh it's not like they collapsed and Nolan Arenado is still a potential M V P candidate. So the fact that they're treating him this badly to the point that he he has been openly vocal about how frustrated he is with them and, you know, they're really showing him a lot of disrespect considering they sign him to a mega contract to extend him. It's like, well, if you don't want the guy, then get rid of the guy. But then you sign him, and then you basically treat him like shit. It, it's, it's weird. It's just a weird approach. Yes,
1: very weird. It, because you're
0: paying a lot for the privilege of basically treating him like shit. It's just, it's just a bizarre way to go about it. And if he continues to play at an MVP caliber level, which I don't see a reason why he couldn't still do that, but if he does, then you're in that position where it's like, hey, um... That's a a centerpiece for a lot of teams. I don't understand why you wouldn't want to build around that and pretend that that's what you're trying to do. At at least try. Uh, Like I said, otherwise, then, you know, basically you're going to have to rely on the... You really better enjoy baseball if you're going to go hang out at Coors Field and uh, I guess you can have your weed. I guess you got that going for you.
1: Exactly. All right. The Arizona Diamondbacks. Aside of the fact they're from Arizona, I got nothing. Okay, well, so you, that always is a step up for you, though, anything from Listen,
0: I, I I mildly favor the Arizona-based things.
1: I, I mean, this is a team that, you know, you expect last year, they traded away, at the beginning, they traded away Paul Goldschmidt to the St. Louis Cardinals, and then m- mid-season, they traded away Zach Grenke. Yet, they still won over 80 games, and they've added some solid additions, right? Like, this team, they got Bob Garner, who mm-hmm. everybody knew was going to leave San Fran,
0: I think it might be a little late for that, but I I, I, I like the
1: attempt. I I agree with you. You know, I don't think he is what he once was, but he's still, for this team, extremely serviceable. And when you add that to, you know, Edwin Jackson, also not a bad starting pitcher. And then you added outfielder, you have Cole Calhoun, Starling Marte. You made some really good additions. I expect this team to, again, this is another team that I have marked down as a a very much a potential wildcard.
0: Yeah, no, the thing is, again, I go back to the same thing I said before. I make, I make a lot of jokes about a lot of this stuff. But like I said, baseball is still my, my sport that I'm passionate about. But I've said on this podcast and, and to you personally and a lot of times, Major League Baseball loses me a lot of times because I struggle with them. I will still watch a baseball game. I will go to some inner county baseball games this year. I'm going to go out of my way, probably head over to Christie Pitts. I want to go watch some games. Um, I still love the game of baseball, but Major League Baseball frustrates the hell out of me at different times. That's why the playoffs is basically the time where I could, all right, the games are meaningful. The suspense is justified. The fact that the games are slow is at least justifiable. So that works. But in the regular season, like, it murders me. It kills me. So the, the pace of some of these games. But with that said, I am genuinely interested You know, your Dodgers aside in this division, I want to check out some of these teams. I want to take a close because it's hard. You got 30 teams. You can't pay attention to all of them. But I want to focus in on this division. There's some things that I'm interested in. I'm intrigued. I want to see what they can do a little bit. And I think, and I'm going to go out of my way to watch a little bit of San Francisco just to see what they got going on. And Arizona, I want to see what they got going on because they're not terrible. It's one of those things. Baseball is one of those deals where. Sometimes you end up in the Baltimore Orioles position where you're just atrociously bad. Other t- teams are great, but then you've got that middle. you got a lot of middle. And th- th- I think that's where we're at right now. There's a lot of these teams who are like, you could win 70 games, you could win 80 games, 85 games, and you're in that zone where like you're a pseudo-contender, but things got to fall your way.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And you could suddenly flip a 70-win team into an 85-win team and suddenly be in a shot for wild card. Yep. Like weird stuff happens.
1: Yeah, for sure. So that's why some of these Or teams you you know you go the other way, like Colorado. You you were I think they were they were made one of the wild card game two years ago. They were crap last year, and they're probably gonna be crap this
0: year. And they were in the World Series not that long ago. Like there was a there was a World Series I think Arenado was on that team
1: where they made the World Series. So you know what I mean? Like it's not like but now they're going down that, that way, right? But that's that's how quickly the fortunes change for a lot of these teams. Because if
0: you're on the if you're on a borderline where things just fell right. You it doesn't take much to suddenly knock you off completely.
1: Or a team that doesn't have sort of unlimited funds that can keep putting money in, keep putting money in, the luxury tax be damned, and you know, they're always gonna pretty much be there. They may have an off year or two, but you know, they're gonna they're gonna be there. Right? You know, like the Yankees, like the Dodgers, kinda the Red Sox, although not this this year probably not as much. You know, but those teams are are there. Right, whereas everyone else, almost in the league, is sort of in flux, and and who knows where they're going to wind up or who knows how they're going to do. But you know that's baseball. I think that's one of the things that, that, that makes it interesting. What you watch is that, as you said, you could have a team that you know won seventy five games this year, last year, and now they're a ninety win team, and all of a sudden they're like, in the playoffs. You know, or they're contending for a, a spot where at least you're in September. You're paying attention to them. And you're intrigued by what's going on, and you know more attention is being paid to the game and to the team.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to fact check myself a little bit on this one. All right. Uh, the World it. Series uh, thing for the Rockies was back in 2007, so it's been a while. Okay. So it has. Uh, but what I will say is that in 2018, two years ago, they were a 91 win team.
1: That's yeah. They lost in the, the, the di- They
0: lost in the division series. So it's one of those things like they were not awful not that long ago. They went from 91 wins to 71 wins.
1: Yeah. And the year before that they were 87 wins. So it's yeah. like they and were I expect them head. to win less than 71 this year.
0: It's po- very possible. It's but it's one of those, that's how quickly fortunes change. You go from a 91 win team that gets to the playoffs, goes to the division series, and then suddenly you drop to 71 wins. Yeah. And you're and you're off the map.
1: Okay, and now to the Los Angeles Mookie Bets.
0: Uh, I was I was kind of hoping it would be more like And now we're going to Mookie! Would,
1: okay. And now... No, to, no, no I, re- I already
0: did it. It's all like,
1: right, fine. I, I, I took care of this for you. Okay. I, I did this for you. All right. Uh, so here's my thing. It's not about Mookie Betts. It's not about David Price. I hope it's not about Mookie Betts. It's about the fact that the Dodgers finally did something, which they haven't done the previous years. The,
0: the Dodgers have done plenty of things. They've lost World
1: Series. They've lost it's, others. I'm they've talking lost about others. Ros- how they're managing their roster, right? They realize they, they've realize mismanaged their roster many times. They've mismanaged their pitching staff many times, right? But at least this year they're finally like, "Hey, you know what? We're not just going to bring up the next guy in the pipeline and hope that he's pretty good. It's we're a- actually going to go get somebody."
0: It's okay. I th- I like the move. I, Mookie Betts is a legitimately great player. He's a five tool player. Man. I think I think it's fantastic, and I think it's going to be great when Mookie Betts gets this team, straps them on his back, takes them all the way to Game Seven of the World Series, and then, then we bring in Clayton Kershaw for some reason in the ninth inning.
1: Well, that's quite possible, too. As the you prophecy foretold. Well, I think we've been there with previous podcasts, so let's not get into that. Uh, but I'm happy with it. David Price, I mean, really, hes I think he's included in the deal because they, the Red Sox want to dump his salary. But he's also serviceable. like but He's he, not a bad pitcher. And he, he was legitimately
0: unhappy in Boston.
1: Yeah. World Series notwithstanding, he no. was legitimately unhappy. Now, the happy. question is, is he going to buy every one of the <sighs> Dodgers scooters like he did with the Blue Jays? Maybe. Um, but this is an interesting thing for the Dodgers, is there's been a fair amount of turnover this year. Right. Well, I so, think I think you needed that at this
0: point because you need to stink off the.
1: the no, fans. for sure you do. But it, I think it's it that is something that hasn't happened, right? So you've lost or Ryu went to the Blue Jays. Yeah. Uh, Rich Hill's gone, right? Maeda was traded for uh, Brusdar uh from Minnesota. So you got reliever basically for reliever. Uh, Alex Wood is back, who was with the Atlanta Braves last year. He's a left-handed starting pitcher who's kind of been sort of starting pitcher, a little bit in the bullpen and whatnot, but he's had some really good games and some really good playoff games for the Dodgers. It's nothing, you know, to be like, oh, my God, Alex Wood, but he's serviceable, right? Uh, You know, they had a a minor trade where they traded Kyle Garlick to the Phillies for prospects. There's two question marks I have with the Dodgers right now. Only two? Well, I mean, there could be more. I could get into things that we haven't talked about, okay? okay? So I'm not talking about, like, the Dave Roberts management... And, you know, Clayton Kershaw coming in in the ninth inning. What about the PTSD?
0: What about PTSD involving the sound of trash cans getting hit?
1: Oh, that, you know, that's possible. Just saying. So, no, my two questions are, one, which is a question from last year, really, that hasn't really gone away. Kenley Jansen, right? If he's still a closer, how good is he going to be this year? Right? And if he's not good, what are you going to do? Are you going to kind of throw him out there and hope? You know, or are you going to put them in a different spot, try and get rid of it? Like, you know, what are you going to do? That's a it's a good question, I think, uh, and obviously something that we're not going to know the answer to until the season happens. But it's something to watch. And the other question is, and this could change again. Obviously, before opening day, we still have a lot of spring training to go. Uh, but because of the, in part, because of the Mookie Betts trade. The Dodgers tried to trade Jock Peterson and some other parts to the Angels. And that trade fell apart. So I think anytime you have a trade where, you know, someone in the, is in the news that they're gone and they're not going to be part of the team and, you know, and then, oh, wait, it didn't work. So now they're back, you know, but now it's like, well, this team, does it. they don't really want me. Does that play down into the clubhouse, right? If he's still on the roster on opening day, I don't know what will happen with that. Will they try and trade him again? Will they try and rework the trade? Because remember, the Mookie Betts trade almost fell through too because of some physicals. So, you know, I'm not sure what's going to happen there. I don't think, I don't know if that's going to be an issue. Obviously, I'm excited that the Dodgers have made some moves. We'll see how they pay off. But I like, you know, I like what they've done in the offseason so far. Obviously, there's some question marks. And again, we won't know until the season. But then anything obviously can happen to any team. But I, I'm big thumbs up to what the Dodgers have done so far this offseason.
0: I want to mock basically everything you just said. But you haven't gone that far off the deep end. It's not unreasonable. The truth is they needed to mix something up. They Like, it wasn't going to work as previously situated. But you still have Dave Roberts. Like, that's still my... It's not that the Dodgers were untalented last year. It's not that they were untalented the year before. They've or the added... Year before that,
1: or the year before that. Yeah, or the year before
0: that. They've added talent. So great. Awesome. You know that the Jock Peterson thing is a legitimate thing. That's fair. That's a good point. But the you know uh, you know the problem. Maybe the solution and the simple solution is I don't know if you remember uh, from the CFO broadcast. I think he still does them. You know Jock Climby? Yeah. Uh, the CF, TSN CFO broadcast. You remember the commercial where it's Matt Dunnigan? Hey Jock, you rock. I do remember. I think that. I think maybe the, the Dodgers do a little bit of that and then you know make him feel better. I think uh, you tr- you can always try that approach. Hey Jock, you rock. Is that you trying to train me? You rock. The
1: point is... You they, try, get, they should just get Matt Dunnigan in.
0: Yeah, just get Matt... Listen, Matt Dunnigan is so enthusiastic, he might just be like, Yeah! I, just, I do rock! And then they're like, can we still trade this fool? But the point is, you you, do, you try something. From a chemistry standpoint, I don't think that's going to be a big deal. Look, the reality is, the Dodgers... I'm not worried about the Dodgers from a talent standpoint. And I'm not even worried about them from the regular season standpoint. I My thing is, okay... I'm going to assume, until I see evidence to the contrary, I'm going to assume that you will make the playoffs. I am going to assume that you will be in great position to potentially go multiple rounds, possibly back to the World Series. My problem and my concern is, do you have the capability to put yourself in a position where Dave Roberts can't screw you? Because that's basically the situation that your team is in right now. You're in a position where Dave Roberts is perfectly capable of doing something completely moronic at the most inopportune moment.
1: Right, it's true. He is.
0: And that but that's the but that's the Achilles heel the Achilles heel of this team right now is that they've got almost everything in place and the ability to get more things if that's what they need. But they still have a manager who finds these weird times to make some inexplicable decisions that hinder your team's progress. This is true. There's no reason legitimately that this team could not have won a couple of championships in the last couple of years had it not been for incompetence at the managerial position. And that's the position you haven't replaced or changed, and it's the same. So that's the whole thing. It's like the regular season for the Dodgers should almost be an afterthought. Not because you ignore it, but the reality is the Dodgers are not a team who needs to make the playoffs for the first time in years. That's not their issue. They're not a team who needs to figure out how to win a playoff round. They've done that. They need to figure out how to actually win the championship round. And the only way you're going to do that is if everything is in alignment and your manager doesn't fuck it up. And I don't know, I, I see no evidence. Unless Mookie Betts is going to take over as player manager. I don't see exactly what they're going to do that's going to change this. The same guy is still well, in charge.
1: Because he's all, and he's also shown no ability to learn from his mistakes. Can Mookie Beth pitch? Maybe,
0: maybe maybe that's the last thing he needs to do because he might need to go in in relief. Because the Dodgers seem to have an issue with putting the right reliever in the right position to succeed. Well, that would be kind of cool. But th- that's what I'm trying to get at. Like, that's where you're at. You, but yeah. That's the piece that you need to figure out because the rest of it's there. You can figure it out.
1: Yeah, it's true. So, we'll see what happens. So, overall, I have my ranking in the following order, Carlos. And as we know, we will probably come back to this at some point. So, I have the Dodgers winning the division, followed by the Diamondbacks, Padres in third place, San Fran in 4th and the Rockies being the worst team in the NL West. Carlos, what say you? All right, Dodgers win. I'm
0: going to have the Do- I'm going to have the Padres. I'm I'm really curious about Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, I could see very easily uh, I could see him elevating himself. So I got the Dodgers first, I got the Padres second. I'll put the Diamondbacks third, the Giants fourth and the Rockies uh, taking up the rear.
1: Okay. So just a difference of the Padres and the Diamondbacks. Yeah,
0: I, I just want to run. see if the Padres can make that leap. That's really what I'm banking this on. If I see the Padres make a leap, they could be there in that spot. It's quite possible. Yeah, that and that's really what we're looking at, and I think that'd be great for them. I think you know, that would be. I'm great not going
1: to spend a bunch of time here arguing that you're wrong on that. You know, we'll see what happens, but it's. I think that's quite possible. I really don't. I really think. You know, I don't see anything other than the Dodgers being at top. And I don't really see anything other than the the Rockies and the Giants being the bottom two teams.
0: Well, that's the You know, that's the thing. We're taking we're taking the Dodgers thing as a, as a given. However, the the key is going to be they they. While I can be nonchalant about the regular season for the Dodgers, they should not be nonchalant about it. Correct. They need, they need absolutely. To put, they need to put themselves in that position. They need to treat this like, hey, you still got to play games. You still got to win. Don't assume you're gonna you're gonna pull it off, but. If you can do what you need to do, take care of your business in the regular season, get to the playoffs, and then we'll see what happens. Because if your claim is that, you know, the the Houston Astros stole one for you, from you, well, then I guess you're sufficiently motivated to win something this time. You would hope so. Because I can't help you. Motivation should not be an issue
1: for you. No, absolutely not.
0: So everything else is more or less in place, and you got a talented player.
1: You and it's, it's also time to put, you know, like, walk the walk, right? That like you can... Say all the things you want to say about Houston, but MLB said they're not changing things, so you're not getting rewarded that championship. So that all you can do now is go out and win this one. Yeah,
0: but it's what we talked about though. Even if they did anything, you're not going to get awarded anything. Yeah, we can never assume you're going to win. Correct. And that's always the thing. Is like, yeah, maybe maybe they gave him an edge, but you haven't. The fact that they lost some games, the way that they lost him in some series, the way they lost him, I can't assume you're going to win. No, even if these are you. in the up, and up nor I can't you.
1: assume nor should you
0: yeah so that's I think that'll be the, so that's the NL, that's the NL west we took care of the dodge <laughs> we got that out of the way
1: so next next week will be the AL west there we go so, we'll, we'll so get maybe th- we'll have a little bit more than six minutes of research this time ooh seven seven and a half I, I look at it this way I'll do like twelve minutes what you actually said and you'll have some notes
0: I, I, I'll I give it like a good two or three minute scan perfect I'll at least you know who's in the division we'll, there we go we'll go for it live the dream Everyone, so that is the first one. We're going to be going through the rest of the divisions as we get through the coming weeks. Uh, some of them will be kind of together. So if we miss a move, just be aware that sometimes we'll batch record some of these divisions just to try to get them through and make sure that you get all of them. So be aware of that. That'll be something that'll be coming in the coming weeks. Outside of that, this was a good addition. We got a little bit of everything covered. Beware of Jameis Winston in the in 2020-2021 the NFL season when he goes for 40 touchdowns and wins the MVP he was awesome. blind, and now he can see. I don't think it's
1: going to help. I really don't. But you never know. Hey. It'd be pretty funny if it did.
0: It's early, but my, my one wish for the NFL in the upcoming season is that James Winston suddenly becomes an MVP candidate, and everyone just stares at each other going, what happened here? That would be great. I think that would be enjoyable, and we can look forward to that. A little bit more XFL talk, certainly. Uh, I'm not going to do all the shameless plugs because some work still needs to be done on refining it, but... If you check us out, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, that's a thing. Second thing is Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast YouTube channel. If I do any reviews or previews of the XFL season, uh, week one or week two in this case, anything related to that, that's going to be on the YouTube channel. Check that out because that'll probably be video. It'll be from the worldwide Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast headquarters in sunny, scenic Mississauga that's frozen. That'll be going over maybe some of the games or maybe some of the things that have happened. Obviously, week two is now halfway done in the time that we're recording this, but there's still a couple of games that happen on Sunday and some possible storylines. The first two games this week, not so great, but I'll be genuinely interested and curious to see what happens on the Sunday games because we're going to start positioning these teams. We're actually going to start doing a pecking order. I've hesitated to do a power rankings because I didn't think it was appropriate, but I think at the end of week two, Maybe we can start filtering into what it's going to look like. We're going to have something to base it on. Sounds good. So Power rankings may be forthcoming, at least by week three, probably. All right. So that'll be it. That's for myself and Dave. Dave's going to go back to his ditch.
1: And this is this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. We'll catch you in the next one.